Hey there, this is Tammy File, and I'm so glad that you could join us today. We want you to know that whatever you're facing, we are here praying for you. And we pray that you're able to experience the presence of the Lord in your circumstances and that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you matter to God. I want to start by welcoming anyone who this is your first time to join us. We're glad to have you with us. We're really happy to see you guys, and we welcome you. Um, don't feel like you've missed out. You can always um, catch up a little bit, but no matter what, in any point when someone were to um, join, they can um, come in at any time, and they don't have to go back through all the material, okay? It'll be there for them. We make it available for everyone so that they can go back at their time, maybe over Christmas break and things like that. I also want to say hello tonight to our online group. We are very blessed to have a good number of people here in Charleston, but we also have many people who um, are not able to be here with us, but are taking this journey with us. We have five different states of people, of women taking this study right now. Isn't that great? Um, and so we welcome all of you out there who are online listeners and you're part of our group too. And we just want to welcome you and they welcome you. And I also have one more that I want to say. My, um, dear longtime friend since I was 19 years old is here. Joy, would you stand up for just a moment? This is Joy Welling. Would y'all welcome her? Um, Joy has known me since I was 19 and in a bad way and um, loved me. And it didn't start getting to be in any kind of better way for a while. But uh, anyway, so she's walked with me in a long, long time in my life, but she has never gotten to be anywhere where I was serving the Lord. And so this is her first time to be with me in that way. And so I'm glad she's here with you girls. So. And then for all of you, just Charleston sisters, I'm just so glad that all of you guys are here and are taking the journey with the Lord. Um, does anyone not have a handout, the outline for tonight? Anybody missing that doesn't have one? Miss Kara has got extras. We're hoping that we've covered it. Okay, good. All right. This week's theme has been that you matter to God. And I hope that you weren't too confused when you got to the end of a day's work and you had to write the day's theme first person. I matter to God. And I hope that that really begins to sink into um, your life. I hope that what you walked away with this week was, my God wants me. My God wants me. I pray that that is sinking in. Our new theme this week is actively responding to God's presence. And so we're going to be learning some things about how we can listen and how we can respond to God. Would you turn in your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, it is towards the front of your Bible. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Skip forward just a little bit, and there's First Samuel. You got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, I think. I had to write all that down a long time ago, but <clears throat> first of your Bible, First Samuel chapter 3, please. And then once you have something there, can you please put a little, are you guys people that have lots of stuff in your Bible like me? Can you please put something there and then turn over to Matthew chapter 13, and we'll come back to Matthew in a little bit. So just put a little bookmark there and you're going to flip back over to 1 Samuel then. I probably should have done that in reverse order, but I wasn't that bright. Matthew 13. 
So something in Matthew 13, and then come back with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. All right, ladies, if you will um, allow me, part of um, serving the Lord for me includes my need to kind of go before him before we do this. And so if you'll bow with me for just another moment. Father God, this is your time. We, your daughters, have gathered at, at your feet, at the feet of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the word made flesh. We are asking that he teach us tonight that you quicken the word that is yours. It brings life. And God, we ask you now to do that in a just supernatural way. And in the way that you desire to move, we invite you. And I pray, Father, that you'll remove all the things that would stand in the way of that, whether it's our focus and concentration or weariness or the things that we left behind undone. God, let us lay them at your feet and let us be like, Mary in that parable and just sit down at Jesus' feet for a few minutes. We will be better women when we leave here if we do this. And so, Father, I pray that you just calm our hearts. You open the ears of our hearts and minds and let, let us hear you. Remove anything that is human. And God, I bow myself before you and say, take anything and everything away from me. Let any words that are mine fall to the ground, but let yours take purchase in their hearts. Please, God, just do your thing. This is the only reason we are here. We glorify your name. And this entire thing is about you. So come and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First Samuel chapter three. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. I know you have questions. I will come back and explain in just a minute. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. Eli is the priest. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel, who is a little boy, was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. You know, he was probably a little more frustrated than that, right? Okay. Um, so he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Don't you think it was closer to that? But now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. 
At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his words. The key verse to start with is verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So who is Samuel? Um, Samuel had a mother named Hannah, and Hannah had not been able to have a child for years and years and years. And every year she would go to the temple and plead with God to give her a child. And at some point she made a decision to, to make a vow before the Lord that if God would give her a child, a son, that she would give him back to God for God's service and that a razor would never touch his head. So really when you picture this little boy, uh, Samuel, he had long hair because his hair was never cut. His mother made God a promise. God gave Hannah that child, and when he was weaned, Hannah gave him back to the Lord as she promised. And every year she would travel with her husband to the temple because it wasn't like the local church where you could just run down to the corner to see them. That was a different town and all of that. And so she would make him a little coat and bring it every year. And so she still mothered him, but she had to mother him while leaving him in the care of the Lord. But there's a verse uh, just in the chapter previous to this that I'd like you to see a couple of them. And it's 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18 and 21. It'll be on the screen right here. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. It's one of the most beautiful scriptures. Can I just tell you, ladies, you too have grown up in the presence of the Lord. You may not realize it. You might look back on your childhood and think there is no way in the world, but your God was in that house with you. He has been with you the entire time. You have grown up in the presence of the Lord. First Samuel 2.26 tells us, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. If you've been to Christmas services very much, you will have heard the same verse for Jesus. He grew in stature, and in favor with God and man. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. What I want you to know, your first point on your outline is this. God has always been with us, 
but we will not have always known his voice. Where that word known is, I would really like you to write recognized. Your blank is his voice. But today, as I was thinking about this, the better word is recognized. We haven't always recognized his voice. And here's why I'm going to say it that way. Because God really impressed this upon me and then proved it. And so I'm here to tell you tonight, you have heard God's voice. I've had any number of people tell me in my time of serving him that they don't believe God has ever spoken to them. And I understand that. I I completely understand that. But I want to tell you by the authority of God's word that you have, and this is not in your notes because the Lord gave this to me after I had to submit this. And that's the way he does things sometimes. But please write down the address, John chapter 6, verses 44 and 45. Let me read that to you. Jesus himself is speaking and he says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. It is written by the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. You could not be here tonight and be a child of God had you not heard his voice. You didn't know that's what you were hearing. And I wager, and I bet the Lord is going to bear this out in your life. You have heard him time and time again, but did not know it was him because he has been guiding your life. And you think that they're your thoughts or you think that's just a coincidence or just this kind of like, I don't know where that came from, but it really worked out well. Hmm. How bright were you uh, 30 seconds before that? It wasn't there. Now, I'm not trying to be mystical, but by God's own authority, and I'm thrilled that he brought this up to me because I have struggled with how to help you guys believe that your God is speaking to you. And he gave me this verse and I was just like, yes, he is teaching you by Jesus's own words. And when you listen to the father and you didn't know that's what you were doing, but when you listen and learn, you end up with Jesus and praise God that that is true. You have heard God's voice, even if you didn't realize that. Number two on your outline, God reveals himself to us through his word. You know, he had said to, it had said about Samuel that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been yet revealed to him. So through his word, God begins. Now, here's what I mean by that. I don't mean he begins to reveal truth because he does. What I mean is himself, the way you know your best friend, the way you know your husband, not that you've read the Declaration of Independence when you're school and you know it's there. I'm talking about knowing the entity, the living, breathing being, and he must breathe because he breathed into us. God himself, we come to know him through his word. Isaiah 55, 11 is the next slide. There we go. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Psalm 107 talks about his word as well. And it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed 
them. His word can heal you and will heal you if you will cling to that and hold to that. Hebrews 1.3 also tells us the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. There are more scriptures where you realize that Jesus is the word according to John 1.1 and that and, and in other places it tells us that by him and for him were all things created. And in this one, he's continuing to sustain what he has created. His word is a powerful thing and you have heard God's word. Number three, we're going to listen for the word of God because it brings life. God's word always brings life. Last week, we visited with this, the parable of the soils. And I hope that that has made an impact upon you. I hope that you've begun to realize that the condition of your heart can change and become more hospitable to the word of God and can be overtaken by it. When we looked at that house that was sitting up here and we put trash and everything, God can remove your debris. He can also pluck up the seeds that have been planted in your life by the enemy. Because believe me, the enemy's been planting a crop too. And that next level of growth is full of thorns and weeds and God will pluck it up. Jesus said, and I'm sorry because he just brought this to me and I don't have the verse with you, but he says some in the New Testament gospel somewhere that he will pluck up everything that God did not plant. We have to cooperate with him in that process. And we're gonna learn more how to do that. But we kind of landed last week on Luke 8, 15. It was in your notes and we kind of spent some time with this. And what it said was, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble. We said that was the Greek word kalos, which is beautiful, valuable, virtuous, and a good, which was the word agathos, an intrinsically good, not something that could be earned, but just because it is heart who hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. What we said is, because of scriptures that we studied last week, and Paul tells us that everything God created is that kalos, beautiful, valuable, virtuous. You, as a creation of God, no matter what you have done, are a beautiful, valuable, virtuous creation of God. Sin mars us. It damages us. Those things in our heart, we, we can understand why Jesus was talking about that because stuff gets in there. We don't stay that very pure, innocent, precious. Most of us don't feel precious anymore, do we? Precious. But we also visited with scripture where Paul said that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. And what he's saying there is that good was agathos, which means an intrinsically good word. So when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and he is in there doing his work, then you have a double goodness. You have the beautiful, valuable virtue creation that you are. And then you have the intrinsically good work that the Holy Spirit does. Not that you do but that you let him do. I was just having a conversation with a sister. We have such a hard time letting somebody else do for us and help us. We are so used to being strong. I'm the first to say it. I'd rather be able to do it myself. I don't want to have to depend on you to do it for me. It's not as safe. I know what I'm capable of. 
but you can't fix yourself. And we visited that too. Or maybe it's in weeks ahead because I've got all of them running together in my head. You cannot save yourself. You cannot fix yourself. But hallelujah, God does not want to leave your heart in ruins. And he is at work in you. Today, we're going to pick up in Matthew 13. If you have held your place there, please turn over there with me. Because there's another element to this parable of the soils that we need to visit with. And last week we had to camp in the other place. Because if you don't believe that your heart is worth fighting for, if you do not believe that God wants to restore and transform your heart, and that you don't have to hang your head in shame and feel less than. And I shared last week how I have felt that way for my whole life until a year and a half ago. I felt healed and freed, but I did not feel like I was a good creation. And God proved that in the scriptures that I shared with you. And while I don't necessarily feel it all the time, I believe it. Because do you know that if I refuse to believe when he proves truth to me, I have drawn a wedge between he and I and limited what work he can do in me. So even if I'm saying, help thou my unbelief, I choose to say in my mind and heart, it must be true. I don't get to be right on this one. He's right and he'll prove it. He will prove it to me eventually. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to pick up in verse 14. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Now he's already told the first part of the parable. We're not going there again, but listen to this. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And listen why. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the devil comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once received it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only, wait a minute, I think I jumped down, didn't I? No, no, I didn't. He lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. We said last week that that's a, that's a heart that has a lot of debris in it. And that doesn't just mean sin. It could mean a whole lot of brokenness, debris. The next verse, page uh, verse 22, the one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. We said last week that, that we know and believe God's word is always alive and active. The seed is always good and viable 
The difference is the condition of our heart. But rather than feel ashamed of that and embarrassed of that and feel like hiding it, we want to bring our heart in all its messiness to him and say, you already know this better than me. We're not hiding anything. It's us who doesn't want to see. He sees it all. It's us who doesn't want to see, and we don't want others to see. Okay, so here's the part. You can't fix it. The word is always good, and our hearts could be in any state of messiness. And we also said that sometimes our hearts have been restored in powerful ways in certain areas, and then there are other rooms. And that continues to be true in my life, too. There's some areas where I I just, I'm so... Uh, changed and utterly convinced of things. And then there are these other wounded areas where he's still at work. And I still know these truths, but he hasn't applied the medicine of his word into that that brings full life out of the death that is in there. And he is at work. And I'm just grateful because I love that he stays at work. Number four, the condition of our heart determines how well we will be able to hear God speak. Remember, he said their hearts have become calloused. Otherwise, they've closed their eyes and closed their ears. Don't be that. We studied last week's test, text was in Mark 4, you remember. And the, the reason is different gospels tell it a little differently. And, and the point is that some of them use words that are very helpful to our understanding. But Right after Jesus did that teaching, just a couple of verses down in Mark 4, he says something we cannot miss tonight. So it is in your notes and it'll be on the screen. Mark chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And here's what he says. I'm going to open my Bible to do this. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand and be sure to pay attention to what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand. And even more besides. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. This verse strikes fear deep into my heart. I would not want him to take one thing from what he has done in my life. God forbid. God forbid. It isn't my job to make sure I'm well and healthy and whole. My job is to listen. It is to listen. But but why aren't we listening? Why aren't we listening? It could be rebellion. There was a time in my life when that was surely the truth. I didn't want to hear from God anymore. I was so angry with him about the age of 18, 19. Unfortunately, about the time that my sweet friend Joy uh, and I met. But I was so angry with him and I felt like I just kind of said to him, you know what? It really dawned on me all of that catechism I learned in Christian school and all that. And he always knew it would be this way. And he put me in this. Why? Why would he do that to a child? And, and you just, I I got so angry with him and said, I I can't, you do, you're going to do whatever you want to, but I'm not trusting you anymore. 
Now, I do not believe on the authority of scripture that I lost my salvation. And believe me, I was very aware of him. My sinfulness in that time was almost, and I will not do the gesture, but if you know the gesture, it was a lot like just being offensive towards him and sending him a gesture. It's like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm doing it against you. Like I wanted to hurt him back for a couple of good years in my life. And guess what that did for me? It made it worse. I helped to self-destruct myself. Here, I'll pick up where you left off. And I hung out with people who were that way because broken people attract other broken people. And we're all looking for love and for that fixed to be fixed. And we're always trying to fix other people. And somehow I think we think we will be fixed if we do that. But why are we not listening? Is it rebellion? Is it anger? It can be. But tonight, what I want to ask you is, could it be fear? Are you afraid to hear God speak to you? Are you afraid of what he might have to say? And I think that that is probably where most of us in this room, if, if there's a hesitation in us, I think that that's probably where it goes the most. We're afraid. I lived in that fear for years of my Christian life, even after I came back to him and began to really seek to live a pleasing and godly life before him. I still didn't believe I had any value in him. I was 35 years old before I really understood what I will say over and over again about how much he loves you and how accepted you are in your incomplete state and how much he wants you. But I was afraid because I felt like every word, like here's what I kind of felt like he was a, he was like a parent, but not in a good way, not in a go climb up in his lap kind of way. That's not how I viewed authority figures really in general. What I felt like is if he had to take time out of his schedule to speak to me, I was in trouble. Now, here's what I wouldn't have said that to you. I wouldn't have been able to articulate that. But that was the feeling there. It's that same kind of feeling you get when your parents tell you they're going to discipline you, but you have to wait for a while. I could still get that feeling if a, if a person in authority over me says, I need to talk to you. Oh, Lord. I have to really work on that with God because that feeling comes. Oh, no. What have I done wrong? Maybe we're afraid. But here's what I want you to know. If your heart is listening and you desire to be pleasing to God, and I know you, you know that you really blow it 95% of the time, but you're wanting him to do work in you. His word is life and you don't have to fear. If he says anything that's even a little hard. Here's what you will find over experience. You have to live this and you'll get it. You'll, you'll believe it. But it's this. If he says to lay that thing down, it's because he has something so much more wonderful to take its place. Our God is the greatest gift giver than we could ever imagine. And his gifts are so much greater than ours. He never takes anything without giving back. His word is life. And if he cuts something with his word, let him slice it off. If you've lived your whole life with that thing and can't imagine life without that thing, let him take it. Because he has a new definition for you. He's a new name for you. He's a new life he is trying to give you 
Do not fear your father's voice. Samuel says over and over in that text when he hears God calling, but he thinks it's Eli, he says, here I am. Sister, the most important first step is this. Here I am. And you know what? Here you are. You are there. And you online girls, you are there. Here I am. You are living it. Here I am. But the next part is found in 1 Samuel 3, 9. And it says this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak. I want you to speak, God. Do you see the word Lord there? It's in capis on purpose because it really is the word Yahweh or Jehovah. The, the, the Israelites would not say that name of God, but that is, that is what he's saying is, and here's what he's saying by saying this. And he says, I'm your servant. But when he says, speak Lord, what he's saying is speak boss. So your heart is not just answering your husband's call or your friend's call or that stinking telemarketers call. I did that in my spare time at one time too. So I, you know, but this is God and you respond to him and say, I am your servant. Before he is speaking, you are ready and you are going to listen. Here's the word I want you to hear. And as I was just reading out of Matthew to you, God popped it up in my understanding. I couldn't stop what I was doing and tell y'all that. But but the word he gave me to give y'all this afternoon, one of the words he said is, instead of saying I'm submitted or I'm surrendered, he gave me this word, I am willing. Willing, just willing. That's not a scary word, is it? As willing as submission and surrender. Willing. But do you know that it was in the text? Who was willing to hear. And I just wanted to jump up and down, but I was in front of y'all and I couldn't do it because I didn't see that before. But he weaves everything together when he is the one leading us. Number five, we will hear God more clearly when we are expecting him to speak. Expecting him to speak and are listening in a posture of submission Here's what you can just write and are willing to hear. Once again, I sent this in and and we're better a place now than we were then. Willing to hear whatever he will say. You are seeking your God and I want you to hear from my heart. I believe with all of me that this study is his idea. Now, we are so fallible. A whole team of us are working together to bring this to you. And we all have personalities and our own wounds and all those things that have to mix and swirl together. But I believe this is heart. This is God's desire. And if anything happened to you this week in your homework, if anything stirred in you, it was him. It's not any of us. It was him. He is speaking and drawing you. 
listen. Ah, here I am, Lord. Speak. Because I have a willing heart and I will do what you say, even if I don't like it. That's another lesson. That's another lesson. I know that one, like, stomp your feet, don't like it. Okay, the final thing I want to say to you tonight, the biggest thing is what I just said. Speak, I am listening with a willing heart. But there's this one thing we read at the end of 1 Samuel, and and it said, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. He will reveal himself through his word. This Bible study is, is truly just a meditation in scripture. And instead of reading scripture as if it's somebody else's story, you take it in and see it is your and God's story together. You will see him as you spend time in his word and willingly let him apply it in the ways he wants to. That verse said that the Lord didn't allow, it says he didn't let his words fall to the ground. And commentators say that that means that because he gave Samuel the assignment of prophesying, that means all prophecy is, is speaking a message from the Lord. That's all that means. So that's why it's called a spiritual gift in the New Testament. It says that every prophecy he made came true. That's what this means. And that's why the people regarded him as a messenger from God, because it happened. But what really struck me as I listened to that scripture, I thought, what if, what if that was really that Samuel didn't allow any of God's words to fall to the ground? And what I thought is, what if that was me? What if that was you? That when God spoke, we didn't let one of his words fall to the ground. We took it and we kept it. And we decided to begin to believe it. Can we be that? Tonight, we end with just a song of reflection between you and the Lord. You're not asked to do anything. And when the song ends, you and your groups will go into your time together. Just listen to the Father and let him speak. Don't have closed everything up. And I don't want to put, what I mean is, Keep your heart open before him. We women move from one task to the other before we finish the one, don't we? Please don't do that. Please be listening. And if he says something, I don't know if you're like me, but I got to write it down. I carry something with me all the time to write it down because I don't want it to fall to the ground. Meet your God this week and let him care tenderly for you. Speak, Lord. I am here. And I have a willing spirit. If you would like to study along with me, you can find the workbooks at TammyFile.com and just click on the bookstore tab. This message coordinates with the first workbook in the Journey with God series called Discovering the Father's Heart.